booster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. WABC News Time is 5 o'clock. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A cloudy day on the way, high 45. Tonight and overnight, the clouds hang around, low 41. And then Wednesday, sun and clouds, high 51. I'm no I'm laden. I should probably tell you that. In for Deborah Valentine on this early Tuesday morning. So happy you're here. So much to get to. I was walking around in my neighborhood. This was like a month ago. And we have one of those, you know, maybe you have this in your neighborhood as well, one of those little mini libraries that people put their old books in. And I'm a voracious reader, and I will read junk. So I pulled the book Elvis and Me, the true story of love between Priscilla Presley and the king of rock and roll, out of that little library. Little did I know a month later, of course, that Lisa Marie would pass away. But I highly recommend this book. Uh, The amazing part of this story was Priscilla was 14 when she met Elvis. Now, I'm late to the party. I, I, I was born about the time he died, so maybe this is all stuff you knew already. But she was 14 when she met Elvis, and Elvis was 24. And the amazing part of this book is that her family just handed her over to Elvis because he was a superstar. And, um, and there's much more to it, but it's a first-hand book. It's from her. It's her memoir. And I highly recommend it. It was 1986 that this book came out. And interesting, as I finally was finishing this book, that's when Lisa Marie tragically died. And, boy, is that just a terribly sad story. But then this happens. Uh, Sophia Coppola announcing that she's going to turn this book into a major motion picture. So I guess we must have been reading it around the same time. All right. Let's get started. The Top 5 at 5. One drug is to blame for a huge spike in overdose of deaths here in the city. Eight people hurt in an MLK event in Florida. What should we make of the classified documents being found at the Biden and Trump homes? Are we in any real danger? We're trying to find out who's at fault for that near miss on the runway at JFK. And more lies and more revelations in the George Santos saga. All right, let's jump into it. Let's start with this uh, just awful story. New York City health officials say fentanyl is to blame for this 27% spike in overdose deaths across New York City. 77 WABC's Alex Bernard has more. New data links four out of five of the city's 2,600 overdose deaths in 2021 to fentanyl. The Bronx has a disproportionate share of overdose deaths with black communities hit the hardest. The city's health commissioner, Dr. Ashwin Vasan, says fentanyl has been the common denominator in the soaring overdose death rate five years in a row. He also says New York City is seeing a huge surge in overdose deaths among people 55 to 64. For 77 WABC News, I'm Alex Barnard. WABC News Time 503, at least eight people injured, one critically, after being shot during a Martin Luther King Jr. Day event. This was in Fort Pierce, Florida yesterday. Chief Deputy Brian Hester with the St. Lucie County Sheriff's Office calls the bloodshed, well, disappointing. Multiple people were shot. Uh, Sounds like from our initial investigation here on scene, Um, There was a disagreement of some sort uh, between two parties, and uh, unfortunately, they chose to resolve that with, uh, with guns. Yeah, so they were celebrating a car show. 
a thousand people were there. They would build this thing as a family fun day. It didn't end up being a whole lot of fun. It's really unfortunate and it's sad that during a celebration of someone who represented peace and equality, that a, dis a, a disagreement results in a use of guns and violence. Yeah, one of the people shot was a kid. So far, police have not made any arrests, but they say they think they're on to who are the gunmen. Uh, here in the city, there was the annual celebration of MLK. It took place at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, as it has for the last 35 years. Governor Hochul spoke, as did the Brooklyn Borough President. He understood better than, than anyone that justice is, uh, it takes a long time. We're in power now. We have a significant amount of minorities that have taken the home in powerful positions. If we were ever going to build this vision and achieve his dream, the time is now. President Biden honoring the life and legacy of King at a breakfast sponsored by the National Action Network in D.C. yesterday. WABC News Time 505. The White House says there are no visitors logs at President Biden's Wilmington, Delaware home where classified materials have been discovered. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said there's still a whole lot more to learn about this situation. I think we want to collect more of the data, more of the information. Are these all the documents? Are there more out there? House Republicans have demanded the White House turn over information related to misplaced documents from Biden's time as vice president, including visitor logs from Biden's private residence. The White House counsel says, like every other president in decades of modern history, his personal residence is his personal residence. I know the White House tried to say it was all cleared up on Thursday. Now that we find there's more documents, I think there's a lot of questions that uh, continue to raise and we want to get all the information possible. Yeah, that's the House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer. And then you had the Georgia Democratic Congressman Hank Johnson. Over the weekend, he threw this out there. He says he wonders if the classified documents that were found at President Biden's home in Delaware may have been planted there. I'm also aware of the fact that things can be planted on people. Things can be planted in places uh, and then discovered conveniently. Yeah, so Johnson calling the timing of the discovery document suspicious. I highly doubt there's anything to that. House Republicans, of course, call that notion completely nonsense. The FAA continues to investigate a near-miss incident involving two passenger planes Friday at JFK Airport. Brian Healy was a passenger on one of those flights. The whole incident took about five seconds at most. Um, there was, uh, I used the word scream earlier. I would say more, more like a gasp. There was an audible reaction when the brakes first activated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was a wild scene. So this Delta flight is going about 150 miles per hour, running down the runway. It's ready to take off. And then another plane enters that runway. So uh, they had to come to a screeching halt. There was a surge of adrenaline. Uh, certainly, I felt one. Um, and then there was silence. It was very silent for um, a couple of seconds, felt like a lot longer than that. And then there was a sense of relief as the plane came to uh, a stop. Yeah, I can imagine you'd be freaked out if all of a sudden you're about to take off and then the plane comes to a sudden halt. Thankfully, uh, nobody heard. Now everybody's trying to figure out what happened. These planes came within about a thousand feet of each other. I mean, that's really awfully close. Delta, I love this. Delta called the incident a successful aborted takeoff procedure. Okay, it's one way of looking at it. Wear your seatbelt. Listen to the flight attendants when they tell you to put on that seatbelt because it really came in handy. Yeah, well, that's true. If you weren't wearing that seatbelt, you would have gone flying, like going flying in a car accident. So now the full review is underway. FAA, everybody investigating, trying to figure out 
who's at the wrong here. It sounds like it's human error to me. WABC News Time 510. There's lots of evidence today that Republicans around the George Santos campaign knew he was a liar and made up his backstory. New York Times says members of Santos's staff confronted him about the lies and asked him to drop out, but he refused to do so. This was during the campaign. Voters in his district who only found out about these lies after the election again have been calling on him to step down. I think George Santos' only hope is that we're gonna that this is gonna die down. I want to tell George Santos this is not dying down. Right, we're gonna keep up the pressure. By the way, the New York Times also says Democrats also knew about some of Santos's lies during the campaign. But instead of focusing on that, they decided to focus on his conservative views uh, on abortion and other things and what was a losing campaign for them. And then you have um, fellow Long Island Republican Congressman Nick LaLota calling for the Santos campaign funds to be frozen so that money could possibly be returned to the donors. Now, there may not be any money left there. We don't even know. But LaLota says we should look into that, see what money's there. And if there is any money there, should be given back to the voters. Now, I don't know how that's all going to work out because so far Santos says he's not going anywhere and they can't force him out. And that's how the House Ethics Committee pushes him out. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. So my guess is George Santos is going to be around unless one of these investigations finds something we don't see yet. Uh, he's going to be the congressman from the 3rd District for the next two years. WABC Newstime 511. Maryland Democratic Congressman Jamie Raskin still hopeful after his cancer diagnosis. But otherwise, I'm hanging tough and I'm, the doctors are very optimistic and I'm very optimistic that the, the chemo is going to get the cancer. Yeah, he's continuing to work through his treatment after announcing his B-cell lymphoma diagnosis last month. He says he's grateful from support from both sides of the aisle. WABC News Time 512. Six people, including a 17-year-old mother and a six-month-old baby, dead after a shooting in California Monday. We have our crime lab that's on scene. Uh, our forensics unit is on scene. Uh, we have our gang detectives as well as our homicide detectives, and we have pulled out all resources. That's the Tulare County Sheriff. It says, happened Monday in Goshen. That's southeast of Fresno. Police looking for two people they say are involved. Cops say the shooting was likely targeted, and there could be a gang connection as well. We have uh, at least two suspects. This is not a random act of violence. This was a targeted family. There are gang associations uh, involved in this scene. Yeah, so far, no arrests have been made. WABC News Time 512. This is a wild story out of New Mexico. A former Republican State House candidate who lost his race in November in New Mexico is in custody today after a string of shootings where he targeted the homes of Democratic officials. It is believed that he is uh, the mastermind that was uh, behind this and that was organizing this. Yeah, that's Albuquerque police on Monday. They announced the arrest of Solomon Pena, a supporter of former President Trump who lost his race during last year's midterm elections. He's accused of orchestrating the shootings by hiring at least four men to pull them off. Amazingly, nobody hurt in this gunfire, but there are a couple really close calls. Uh, He shot in this one Democrat's home where this young girl was sleeping, like 10 bullets flew through this home, narrowly missing this young girl. This type of radicalism is a threat to our nation, and it has made 
its way to our doorstep right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. But I know here we are going to push back and we will not allow this to cross the threshold. Yeah, so there is evidence that Pena pulled the trigger in one of these shootings. WABC News Time 514. Fire officials in Hazlitt, New Jersey, looking to pinpoint the cause of a house fire that left a mother and her young daughter dead. Flames ripping through this home. This was Brookside Avenue over the weekend. William Montanero and his wife, 40-year-old Jackie, rushed back into the home to try to save their youngest daughter, Madeline. So William, the dad, and the 8-year-old daughter, Elena, got out. But Jackie and Madeline did not. Well, this township is like a family, and when a neighbor is hurting, a family member is hurting, uh, we've been overwhelmed by the amount of support. Yeah, so Montanero says uh, he rushed back into the home for Madeline and became enveloped in thick smoke. And uh, Jackie, you know, like any mother would do, went in to get her daughter and just didn't make it back out. Very popular in town, very helpful, very uh, community-knit family, and... uh, we were all grieving. It's a tremendous loss. Yeah, so so far, more than $225,000 have been raised to help this family in a GoFundMe, and it was just a horribly tragic story. WABC News Time 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Is it over for Tom Brady? Will he ever play football again? Let's find out now from Justin Ellen. Well, we don't know yet, Gnome, but... Uh... Hopefully we'll find out pretty, pretty soon as we're all looking for answers here after Monday Night Football. The Wild Card Weekend Edition saw the Dallas Cowboys march into Tampa Bay and wipe the floor with the aforementioned Tom Brady and the Buccaneers to secure a 31-14 win and advance to the divisional round to take on the 49ers this upcoming Sunday. With the Cowboys officially moving on for the first time ever, the NFC East has three of its teams that will play for a shot at the NFC Championship game this upcoming weekend. And now, over to local action last night. We'll begin on the court here. The Knicks dropped a close one at home to the Toronto Raptors by a score of 123-121. to R.J. Barrett forced overtime with an end-to-end driving dunk as time expired, but the Raptors prevailed in the extra quarter to come out on top. Barrett topped out the Knicks box score with 32 points on the night. Head coach Tom Thibodeau spoke following the game about the Knicks' hard-fought effort. I always say defend, rebound, low turnover. And so they shoot 39%. We out-rebound them. We have, I don't know, 12 turnovers, you know, and they're a team that turns people over. And we end up with more shots than they had. They'll get right back on the wagon tomorrow when they're set to host the Washington Wizards at the Garden. As for the Nets, they'll be back on the court tonight in San Antonio for an 8 p.m. tip-off with the Spurs. On the ice, he had a triple header, so let's get right into it. The Devils take down the Sharks in San Jose by a score of 4-3. to three. Uh, Tomas Tatar would score the lone goal and said shootout to deliver the two points for New Jersey. The win marks five straight for the Devils, who will try and push the streak to six come Thursday night in Seattle against the Kraken. The Rangers found their way back into the win column yesterday. Best in the Blue Jackets, 3-1 to one in Columbus. Mika Zibanejad opened up the scoring with a first period rattler off the post and in. And Barclow Goodrow would add another in the first to give the Rangers enough for the victories. They'll try and keep it going Thursday night when the Boston Bruins come into town. As for the Islanders, they were the only loser on the night as they fall in overtime at home to the Washington Capitals. Final score being 4-3. to three. Sebastian Ajo, Matt Martin, and Hudson Fashing were the goal scorers for New York. But Washington's Dimitri Orlov's foiled things uh, with his game winner a little over four minutes into overtime. The Owls will try and bounce back tomorrow night when they welcome in the aforementioned Bruins. Here with the Early News Sports Update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Thank you very much, Justin. Just getting this uh, piece of breaking news in WABC News Time 519. A police officer shot in the arm 
in the East Tremont section of the Bronx. This was about 3 a.m. The good news is he's going to be okay. Uh, The bad news is the two people who fired shots at him are on the loose. Coming up right now, you know, the markets were closed yesterday. They reopened today. Let's get a look at what they might look like like from Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Wall Street back to trading after the Martin Luther King holiday, riding a two-week win streak. Stocks continue to rally, technology leading the way. The Nasdaq finishing higher the past six straight sessions. Last week, the S&P notched its biggest weekly gain since November. Investors more cautious to in-trade last week. Friday's mixed bank earnings report causing some concern among investors. Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase and others setting aside reserves against the possibility of a mild recession in 2023. Wall Street forecasting more of the same with this week's bank earnings reports. Economists looking for annual declines in revenue for Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs both report tomorrow. Netflix reports earnings Thursday. Investors waiting to see whether fourth quarter subscriber numbers match the company's targets. Netflix stock up 12% in this new year. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. WABC News Time 521. Police searching for three people who were caught on video attacking Harlem bodega workers with knives and merchandise. We're going to put up this surveillance video at WABCRadio.com so you can see it for yourself. But it is a wild scene. These three dopes, they come in, they throw a rack of chips at these two bodega workers in Harlem who are just, you know, working the overnight. Uh, then they throw knives, everything they can to try to get these guys to open up the cash register, which they refuse to do. So I was panicked, you know. I tried to tell the guys, please, you know, don't do this because, you know, I have family. I, I, I mean, I was scared, you know. I totally scared. Yeah, you just work in the overnight shift. You want to be left alone. Uh, so they come into this bodega, Coven Avenue, 127th Street, demand they open the register, threaten them when they refuse to. Now, probably should have handed over the cash, which the, they tell you to do, but these guys did not because they own the business and they don't want to give their money away. He hiding over there, he go inside, but he get like, with the knife he get like, in his hand like this, like he been trying to cut it. Yeah, so, so far police have made no arrests, but the good news is these dopes uh, did not wear anything uh, over their face or anything, no masks or anything, so surveillance cameras in this bodega got really good pictures of these creeps, just a matter of time until police pick them up. WABC News Time 522 out to California. How much more can it rain? A soaked California enduring more rounds of torrential downpour, strong winds, widespread flooding. Jeremy Eric is with the Department of Water Resources there. He says the Flood Operations Center in Sacramento has deployed flood fighters, engineers, technical experts. These guys working 24-7 over the last couple weeks. There's been 50 incidents in 17 counties just in the last 14 days, including sinkholes and everything. These incidents include 
levee or bank erosion, levee breaks, um, boils, seepage, sloughing, and sinkholes. Yeah, it's one of these stories that hasn't, for some reason, gotten a lot of attention outside of California, but about 8 million people were under a flood watch last night for coastal central California and the San Francisco Bay Area. As the water recedes, it's pretty standard that the maintaining agencies will need to inspect and patrol their levees to look for any damage that may have occurred as these waters have been up against those levees for so long. Yeah, so in the Sierra, parts of Highway 50 closed for avalanche control. I mean, how much more can they take? Rain expected to taper off probably later today, but they say another storm could arrive on Wednesday. WABC News Time 523. Let's bring it back home and talk about these hero rescuers or workers, these first responders, these police out in Suffolk County, police being credited for jumping out of a helicopter to rescue a man in the waters of Narrow Bay. This was on Sunday. Police officer Jonathan Jensen helped rescue this 34-year-old, his name is Nicholas, who was in a kayak that capsized. They couldn't get to him, so this guy jumped out of a helicopter to get to him. This is near uh, Mastic Beach. The one thing he did say when I was in the water, which struck me, was he, he said, help me. Yeah, that's the officer, and they did. They pulled him out of the water, took him to Stony Brook University Hospital. Uh, he was treated for hypothermia, but uh, Jonathan Jensen, a hero cop from the Suffolk County Police Force, saving the life of that kayaker over the week. And then you had these uh, three NYPD cops being saluted over the weekend, too. They made a special delivery. A woman suddenly goes into labor in her home in Jamaica, Queens. I feel like this story happens a lot. But this woman did not make it to the hospital, but these officers did. And when they go to the police academy, one of the things you're trained in is how to help someone deliver a baby. So these three officers helped this woman deliver her baby. And we walked in. We heard we heard the mother screaming. And as soon as we walked in, I realized that this is going to happen right now. Nobody freaked out. Nobody lost their cool. I remember seeing her face and seeing the happiness and the joy. Yeah, so those three officers, let's give you their names, Kevin Kellen, Kristen Melly, and Justin Rodriguez, say they use what they learned in the police academy to put 21-year-old Sade James at ease as she pushed out a baby boy in her home. The newborn and mom were then rushed to Queens General Hospital. Both, thankfully, are doing well today. WABC News Time 525. The free school lunch program that came during COVID, it's gone away. And now there's a new study out today that shows that it's hitting school districts across the nation really hard. They can either take on the debt from students who cannot afford to pay for their lunch or tell kids that they're not going to give them a lunch. Now, I don't think there's many schools that would take a lunch away from a kid. It's been real heartbreaking for a lot of school meal program directors to take this benefit away from their students and family. Yeah, so Diane Pratt-Hevner there with the School Nutrition Association. Their study found districts are taking on huge debt so they can still feed needy students. Meal program directors in communities that have to charge for meals have seen an increase an unpaid meal debt. Yeah, so they're taking on this debt because, yeah, you're not going to turn away a kid in the cafeteria, so they're going to continue to hand out those free meals. Any family that's not deemed eligible has to pay full price for the meal. You know, there is a thought in many places they're doing this already, where they just make lunch free and it's part of the school budget, and so that you don't have kids who are showing cards to get free meals because they're bared to do so because their parents don't have the money to pay. And this way, if you just hand out a free meal, make a part of the school budget, 
all this nonsense kind of goes away. I know some people think you shouldn't give it out free lunch, but it's kids. I, I got no problem with it. By the way, over the weekend, lights out for six more Broadway shows, including The Music Man. The Music Man closed Sundays uh, after Sunday's matinee. Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster, of course, the stars of that show, decided they were leaving. And they said, you know, who can we bring in? to fill their place they realized they can't so they closed that a strange loop was also forced to close even though that won the 2022 tony for best musical it could not hang on so the word is is covid is still undermining ticket sales it's also bringing down the curtain for top dog underdog death of a salesman ohio state murders and old man in the pool all those shows closing over the weekend. All right, we got a lot more to get to on this Tuesday morning. Another whale washed ashore, and you won't believe what Marie Osmond is doing to her kids. Those stories and more coming up. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC.